0: Would you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 9. Thank you for being here. If you're a visitor, thank you. There are so many great churches in this community, and we're just grateful that you came and hung out with us this morning. And I know Mo already said it, but uh, if you want to be found, you're like, you know, we've been kicking the tires here for a while. We'd like to learn a little bit more. You know, just get one of those little cards in the front of your seat back and and fill that out that's how we know you want to be found we we don't do the exchange uh, we'll give you this card if you, or give you this coffee mug if you give us the information because that's actually not a gift that's a transaction so we want to give you the coffee mug as a gift whether or not you want to be found but if you want to be found and you want to be a part of our church family and find out a little bit more. That's the best way for us to be able to find you. So those are in the front of your seat back and you could leave it on either side of the where those communion elements or in the back there with one of the greeters with the coffee mugs, so they can get them. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we've put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. And verse 14, do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And then uh, let's go back to verse 14 one more time. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask for your word to be a lamp and a light for us today. There's a lot going on in our lives and this stuff is flying at us. Lord, today we take a breath and take a step back, purposefully engaging with you this morning. Inviting you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to move in us, to hover over us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Have, uh, I'm so blessed to be a part of this church. I, mean, I kick I my, kick myself, pinch myself. I Man, I do kick myself. That's a different thing, though. I pinch myself. Like, get to be a part of this church with these, all these people that God is doing all this awesome stuff in your lives. And at the same time, I, I've met with a lot of you who've said, some of you, it's because you're young, and some of you have been around a little while longer, and you have said some variation of this. I feel like God has got this gift inside of me, that, but I, is it too late for me? Like, I've been, I just, it's, I'm older now, and I can't. Or some of you, it's because you're younger, and you're like, I don't see how I could ever make this happen. I've got student loans. I've got I feel like there's this gift and this calling and I don't know what I'm going to do if it's ever going to happen for me. I've got good news for you this morning. <laughs> Romans 11, 29 says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Gift and a calling by the way, two different things. The gifts and the callings or without repentance, that is a just real Bible y way of saying that God didn't change his mind and he hasn't forgotten you. And I love it because it's in the context of Israel. He's talking about Israel, his promises for Israel. Israel, who just a few years after this writing would have been wiped off the face of the earth. Israel, who would have been gone off the planet for almost 2,000 years. Israel, who in 1947 is Phyllis? 47? 48 started in 47 48. The Bible says there's a prophecy. Shall a nation be born in a day? Shall it happen in a day? Yes. It was a rhetorical question waiting for God to answer it. My point being that he said that about Israel, it looked like there was no hope. It looked like it was long gone. It looked like it was over. And he resurrected. We're settling for recovery and Jesus is handing out resurrection. Your gifts and your callings are not forgotten. It's not too early, and it's not too late. And for those of you that think it's too late, you might be too old. I've, I found this this week, and it was really appropriate for me as I'm rounding 39 again for the eighth time. Um, that organizations, the CDC, the World Health Organization, when they, when they speak of age, they used to say that 65 was old. But now, because people are living longer, because of health, we've got things that we're doing better now. And as far as that, you're like 65, this is the way they break it down now. Did you know this? That if you are zero to 17 years, you are underage. So just let that. 18 to 65, listen to this youth or young people. (laughs) My volunteers' tribute. Um, But listen, 66 to 79. You're middle age. You're right in the sweet spot. Which, I mean, you think about it. Paul told Timothy, don't look down on them because you're young. In his culture, they idolized age. In our culture, we idolize youth. Don't let them look down on you because of your age, young people, 65. And for those of you who are 80 to 99, they would now call that seniors. But guess who got started when he was 80? Joshua. Moses the list goes on you're just getting warmed up and I say that because the gift that's inside of you you are headed for retirement and I believe that when Paul would tell Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 fan into flame the gift that's in you don't retire refire the gift inside of you it is not too late Benny and Mary Lou are just one evidence of that, of what God is doing in our lives from womb to tomb. God tells us simply this. I know I'm rhyming this morning. I'm like Creflo Dollar up here, man. I'm like, or T.D. Jakes. I'd, that might be better. Someone get me a towel. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's handiwork, his artwork. His, it's the word poema. That you were created in his good work, his art, prepared to do good things for him, good works that only you can do, that were prepared for you before the foundation of the earth. His artwork, poema, it's writing. It's not mathematical. It's art. You know what that means? My daughter, Lauren, actually, Ashley, too, we, I have some talented artists in my family. Ashley is a writer and an artist. Lauren is a, a great artist. And when they draw something, they could draw a portrait of me, which by the way, this morning I woke up. If you were not here last week, this will make no sense to you. But were, how many were here for Dr. Easley last week? Okay. He, said, uh, he, he taught a little something. If you wonder if they're listening, I woke up this morning and on my birthday card from my kids was, oh, father of mine. <laughs> well played. Well um, Lauren would draw a picture that would look like me, although I wouldn't mind if you'd shave a few, you know what I'm saying, like off of here. But if, it would look like me, but there's a little piece of her in it, because she's the artist. God is creating you into his handiwork, his masterwork, and it looks like you with a piece of him in you. You are his handiwork, prepared to do good things that only you can do, created for you. That means that God is waiting specifically for you to go do what He has called you and created you to do. It also means that there's somebody out there who's waiting for you. They've got their tracking. If you ordered you know about the Amazon.com, you know what I'm talk about like when you order something on the Amazon, they, they will send you a little tracking number. And you click on it and you're waiting to see where is it? It's still out for delivery. If you're my kids, it's still in China. They the order things, I don't know what it is, but things that come from China, like Korea. And you're waiting, and you're waiting for it to be delivered. God has sent you with this gift, and someone is waiting for you right now to deliver it. Now, in this little passage, in just the, the time that we have, which isn't a lot, I want to show you, that he pinpoints the gift, figuring out what the gift is in you, it's got to start with that. Pinpoint it in verse 13. He told him Paul told him, devote yourself, and he says preaching and teaching. He's identifying. He's pinpointing the gift that's in Timothy, and then protect it. Don't neglect your gift. Verse 14, and then persevere. Verse 16. Persevere in your life. And in your doctrine, because in doing so, you save yourself and those who are hearing it, persevere, and then, honestly, we can't do this without understanding fully the price that was paid for it. And he says that this is why we labor and strive, pinpointing and identifying your gift. Verse 12, he says, until I come to Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Now, if you're a note taker, okay, you're going to want to start writing now, And if you're not, I would encourage you to still write this because I'm going to hit it fast enough that you will not be able to process it. We just don't have time. But the good news is is you don't need me for this. You just let the Holy Spirit deal this with you. But I want to pinpoint the gift, and I think it helps to start with understanding the difference between gifts in the Scripture, to, to even know what we're talking about, to know what gift we even mean. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, You can write it down, go there later. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everything, the same God, the Father, is at work. Did you notice the Father, the Spirit, the Son, the the Trinity appears in there? He lists these three different categories Romans 12, it refers to the gifts of the Spirit. That's Romans eleven twenty nine 29, and Romans 12, 5 through 6. And it uses the word charisma, which you've maybe heard before. That's the word in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, charisma, but the same Spirit. Now, in Ephesians 4, he uses this word, the work of the ministry, when talking about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd Teacher, the diakonia, which is the word that is there, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And then he says different kinds of working operations, depending on what your translation says, but the same God is at work, and that word is energemia, energema, depending which emphasis and syllable you choose. And in 1 Corinthians 12, you might notice in verse 1, because I'm sure you were all looking at that just this morning, that he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, verse 1, the word gifts, if you've got a King James, it is in italics. If you ever see a word in the King James in italics, just a little tip, it wasn't there in the original. The translators were trying to be helpful. Most times they were not. (laughs) But that gift, that word gift is there because we just don't have a word for it. It's pneumatikos. It's a version of operations of the spirit. Now, to to spread this simply, this list, these lists coincide with the three things that he just listed there. You could take a picture of that and go later. That there is a gift, which is Romans 12. There are operations, which by the way, I know this is semantics. I'm not gonna, next time you say gifts of the spirit and you refer to 1 Corinthians 12, I'm not gonna say, well, it's technically operations. I'm just trying to help it delineate it so we know what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians 12 are these operations of the Spirit. And Ephesians 4 are the gifts. He brings gifts, but it's the diakonia, the works of the ministry, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. The gifts of Romans 12 are the charisma, the supernaturally natural gifts of the Spirit. And when you look at that list, you're going to see things like uh, exhortation, This is one that I think Phyllis just is so good at. I've I've said this. She's like a vitamin B12 shot of the Holy Spirit whenever she walks into a room. Don't go to the doctor or the chiropractor. Just go hang out with Phyllis. You'll feel better. It's just who she is. It's a gift inside of her. The one leadership, verse 6, is actually a word that is administration, some of your translations. The word is actually just a business term. It's somebody who does math. It's somebody who can sit down with a spreadsheet and say, hey, Darren, while I appreciate your enthusiasm, we can't do that. <laughs> the string on my balloon. <laughs> and for those of you that are like that, Jaina is like that. She thinks it's just natural. She will look at me and say, why can't, you, why can't we just get this, these receipts to match? Like, why? In her mind, that's what she would think. But what she doesn't know is she might as well tell me I can fly. (laughs) Because I swear to all that is holy, I can't do that. It's supernaturally natural in her. By the way, the word prophecy appears on all three lists. Some of them do and others don't. But it delineates it. There's a different gift of Romans 12 than is from 1 Corinthians 12. as is different from the office of Ephesians 12 in that list there that prophecy in Romans 8 is the absolute bulldog if you're on the Enneagram it's an 8 if you're on the disc profile it's a D I can't remember what the Myers-Briggs one is here's how you know if you've got that gift if people don't wonder what you think because you just said it (laughs) you probably got that one pinpointing what that is in your life is extremely helpful because it's why you were created. He has poured a little piece of Him into you. Jesus is the only man that ever existed who is God and man, and He had all seven of these, and you can find it in acting out. We are, I am one seventh of the Jesus response to any problem that the world would throw at us. I need you, and you need me in this. That gift of prophecy, just to let, let's play it out practically. Le Fleur in Haiti bulldog, bulldozer might be a better one. But let me tell you where the gift of bulldozing comes in real handy. When he looked at a piece of land 15 years ago and saw a school and saw a church and saw a clinic and stuff, I guess it was 12 years ago when I first wandered down there, I saw nothing but rocks and hopelessness. But he, somebody had to see it in a way that no one else did, not in a thus saith the Lord, I'm sorry, thus saith the Lord way, But in a, I just know this is what we're supposed to do here. But the thing is, when you're a bulldozer like that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to hurt people's feelings. So you need somebody alongside you with the gift of mercy to come along and say, hey, dude, you might need to dial that back just a little. But the fact is, is if he was worried about that, then that thing would have never happened because he would have been worried about what you thought about him. I'm not that. I'm worried way too much about what you think of me. That's how I know that's not that gift. By the way, one of the clues that you're getting warm on one of these gifts is if you look at it and it makes you like you go, "Oh, Is that, is that me? I don't want to be that." that that's, a, that's a clue. <laughs> because that's the enemy trying to keep you back from it. These gifts are supernaturally natural. And by the way, the calling, which is different than the gift, the gift is part of who you are, what you've been called to do. My gift is teaching. And you know how I know that? As I look at that on the list and think, that's boring. Who wants to do that? Ugh. <laughs> thought that my whole life. But by the way, the gift and the calling aren't necessarily the same. My calling as a shepherd means I get to use my gift of teaching in the calling of the shepherd. By the way, when you see the word apostle, that just means sent one missionary. That's why the word missionary doesn't appear in the Bible. That's missionary. Sent one. So somebody with the gift of mercy could be called to deliver that gift as a missionary to Haiti or Uganda this year or Guatemala in June. Do you get to deliver that gift that somebody in Guatemala is waiting, checking their tracking number of the Holy Spirit, waiting for you to show up with it? And sometimes that gift of mercy, let me tell you what you need with the gift of mercy. When you're Hopeless, you don't have any money, and you're you know what you don't need at that point a sermon. I mean, Melissa in Zimbabwe with those children, I could walk over there and preach to them, and it's like, but you walk over with the gift of mercy and love on them, you are making them come alive inside. But you know what? You can't do that gift of mercy unless you have somebody with the gift of generosity. Because I tell you, when you start building schools and clinics and orphanages, those are not free. They're not giving those away. But people with the gift of generosity come alongside. We're all called to give, but every once in a while someone will drop a check. you know what I'm saying? The gift of giving. And I might also add that it isn't only about money because some of the most generous people I've ever met are broke. Just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't have the gift of generosity. Does this make sense? Pinpointing your gift is critical and to differentiating between your calling and the operation. Those First Corinthians 12 operations, my personal opinion, which I think I could prove in scripture if we had more time, that there was no closing of those and now we're done. That the, the last day started in Acts 2 and they're still happening to this day. But I also don't think that they're like, you're like the X-Men and you got the healing one, and you got the faith one, and you got you know, I don't think it's like that at all. <laughs> On the other hand, when you're standing in Pakistan, like my friend Mark Bowling, and saying that Jehovah is God and Allah is not, you know what's helpful? When the dude gets out of a wheelchair, when the blind lady sees. Like that at the moment that he needed it was the moment that it happened. And those stories are still happening. We don't see them a lot because the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. We in America sometimes think we follow the signs. We have the order backwards. So those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, those operations happen at the moment that you need them. We talk about it as God's shock and awe to our ground war. We are the ground troops. And then sometimes God will drop a a blind man seeing and everybody knew. Sometimes God will say to that one who has a demon, come out. And the whole village knows about it. And it says that they saw their good works and glorified God. Is what he says. When you take the light from under a bushel, pinpointing what it is, one of the best ways, one of the most important, one of the most critical ways to pinpoint what your gift is, is to start with Romans 12, verse one. He says in 11:29, the gifts and the callings was out without repentance. But he says in Romans 12:5 and 6, he lists out what these gifts and callings are. The gifts. But in between that, he says, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, acceptable unto you, to him. And this is your spiritual act of worship. I love the translation, reasonable. I mean, God just died for you. This is kind of reasonable. It's not even asking that much. And it's not asking that much because I'm really saying, God, I trust you. That I'm gonna lay it all out. I'm gonna take my hands off of my life. And in doing so, he says, verse 3, then you will know his will for your life, his good, perfect, pleasing will. And then he rattles right into what that will could look like, the gifts of the Spirit. When I keep my hands on my life, when we go to uh, Haiti, one of the things I give advice, one of the first pieces of advice I give is, submit to the chaos. Every time you say, why don't they just, and then insert something, Why don't they just look at the stoplight? Why don't they just have stoplights? Why don't they pick up their trash? Why do we have to wait? Every time you do a why don't they just, you are kicking against the chaos, submitting to it. Now, when you talk about submitting to God, it's not about submitting to the chaos, it's submitting to his omnipotence. What did he tell Paul? Why do you kick against the goad? Have you ever trained a horse to ride? Ashley's horse, Brutus, man, he had a lot of gas in the engine. But you know what made it a good ride for Brutus is when he finally submitted. Oh, this is going to be okay. Why do you kick against the goad? Submit to it, and then you will know his will for his life, his good and his perfect will. Now, don't confuse your skill and your talent with your gift. They're not the same thing. David Watkins is a fantastic guitar player. When he plays on a Sunday, it's like we have ranch dressing on our service. It's just home cooked and delicious. And, and by the way, I mean, in our culture right now, the guitar solo, it's been replaced by the hip hop guys. So good on you for being here and delivering some of your talent this morning. <laughs> That's a skill, but not his gift. D- to put it differently, for me, my gift might be teaching, but communicating is the skill. Those are, there's a nuance. It's not the same. If you were part of this church in the early days, can I just apologize <laughs> and thank you for being patient while I figured out that there was a skill that I needed to acquire? When Joe Beam walked in here last week, and for two hours at a time, just machine gun goodness at you, that was a skill. And that was a skill that did not happen on Friday. It happened over A long haul of his life. He had pinpointed his gift, and his gift was, I believe, well, that's a good question. We have to ask Joe what it is. I know what his skill is, which is teaching. He taught us well on these things. But for you and for I, figuring out what that gift is and knowing that it's not the same, your talent is the highway on which your gift travels. So if you're a guitar player, awesome. It opens these amazing doors to allow the gift to flow through you. If you operate heavy machinery, and that's your job, that is your skill, figuring out what your gift is allows you to actually have a sense of fulfillment in that. So if I'm just operating machinery all day long, but I have this gift of mercy, and I'm merciful with my coworkers, I'm merciful with a boss who might be a little bit of a tool, whatever the gift is, allow the gift to flow over your skill. So your skill is important. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours that it takes to become proficient at any given skill. I believe that Timothy's calling, the one that he speaks of here that he laid hands on him for, that he talks about it in 2 Timothy 4, was do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was called to do that, but his gift was teaching. So he's an evangelist that evangelizes by teaching. And some of us, I believe most of us in this room, have some sort of a call, whether it's to be the apostle, the prophet. By the way, if anybody ever hands you a business card and it says prophet on it, you can just throw that away. Because you, if you have to announce that your gift before you walk in the door on paper, you're doing it wrong. This table doesn't have to tell me it's a table. I just know. So when I see somebody with a gift, I'm gonna figure it out, because it's going to make itself apparent. So that's pinpointing your gift. Wow, we gotta hurry. (laughs) Protect the gift. Not just pinpoint it. He says to him in verse 14, don't neglect it. This gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. There are lots of ways that we can reject, neglect, put our gift to the side. It starts sometimes with just getting too busy. Gift drift. That I've been my whole life raising these babies. And some of you mamas know what I'm talking about. You just feel like you've lost yourself. And this gift is you finding yourself again. See, from the very beginning, this is what you were called to be, prepared to do good works for you. And by letting those gifts drift away, Paul was telling Timothy, I'm telling you, reclaim those gifts. Go back. He says to fan it into flame, those gifts my wife has what we would up here call the gift of serving, which is such, doesn't that sound so awful? Because so, it doesn't sound very exciting if you're the serving one, right? Like Because it's just hard work and it's a thankless job. By the way, in the New Testament, there's one instance of somebody who had this gift of service. Her name was Dorcas. What a beautiful baby. <laughs> Let's name him Dorcas. Her Dorcas, Dork, If your name is Dorcas, I would like to go on. I apologize, because you don't know these days. Like I don't know, You millennials and your hipsters naming your kids all kinds of stuff. Like, but my friend's son Satchel just turned eighteen today. So anyway, um, and Will, if you're watching, happy birthday, Satchel. Um, Dorcas made clothes for the apostles. She served them. And when she died, you know what they did? They called for the disciples. We need to raise her from the dead. When Peter died, no record of that. <laughs> he's probably like, well, he's probably got it. It's about time. <laughs> the kid's been running his mouth for 40 years. But not Tabitha, which is what the other translations call her. They called and had her raised from the dead because when you have the gift of service, let me tell you, when you, you know it is when it's gone. When we started this church, I had this idea of how it should be done, and a part of it was I want to protect my wife. Because, you know, sometimes church people can be mean. And by the way, that's not been our experience. We're so grateful. But in those early days, I was like, well, let's, let's keep her safe. By the way, sometimes that, uh, the, the safe room can feel a lot like a prison if you're trying to protect somebody. It also means that I'm not trusting that the Holy Spirit can save her just like he saved me. But in those early days, that's what we did. Now, don't get me wrong, she was doing it anyway. She was delivering her gift of getting crap done. That's what we call the gift of service. And when we moved into this building, I was beginning to learn some things. One of them was to allow her to be who God created her to be. It's what she just does. So by releasing her into that gift in this building, do you remember what it looked like? Anybody remember what this looked like before Shannon got a hold of it and Chip and joanna did this thing? <laughs> scared, the, <laughs> it's, it smelled different. It felt different. <laughs> but we released her into that gift. And what I love about it, because actually into the next step about persevering in, of, of that gift and persevering in it, he says that you would... In doing so, you save yourself and those who hear you. To Timothy, when you step into that gift of teaching, you are saving yourself, not salvation in eternity. We're all saved by grace, not by works. But saving, he's coming alive because he's delivering the gift that was inside of him. And those who heard him were finally able to hit the tracking number on their thing and say, oh, it's here, and they're coming alive. So when Shannon stepped into her gift here, she is coming alive because she's doing what she's wired to do. And I know I'm not wired to do it because, I mean, when I'm around her, when she's in that mode, it stresses me all the way out. And I'll ask her, Are you okay? Are you stressed? No, no, I'm fine. Are you sure? Because this, that's how I feel when stress hits me. But that's what she, in that mode, And they say get out of her way when she's doing something. And what happens then is that in this building, just this week, Bob and Carol Carline were putting windows up in the back. You don't even know this stuff's going on. And you don't because someone with the gift of service is just getting it done. Just getting it done. We did that then at Place of Hope this last year way beyond. Now, there was a skill set she was learning. There's a skill set of how do you project manage a bunch of contractors? How do you put all these things together and choose color palettes and things that were a talent and a skill, but her gift was that she was getting it done. And I don't know of anybody else that could have project managed, designed, implemented, and done what happened at Place of Hope in the time frame that we had it, in the budget that we had it in, and still had time to hang out with people there. Saved herself and those who she delivered the gift to. The gift of service. The gift of getting it done. Delivered it. She was allowing herself to come alive. She was persevering in it. But the thing that we can't forget is the price that was paid for it. Protecting it. Persevering in it. But if we don't know why we're doing it. Ephesians 4 Paul says something fascinating, and you've probably heard it before. And by the way, if you've seen this before, would you just humor me? Because this was brand new information to me this week. I had a mind-blown moment. But remember Ephesians 4, right before he talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, he says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned in verse 7. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What a weird thing to say in the middle of this practical teaching. So I realized, well, I wonder what he's saying. I, actually, I realized well, he's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, and he quotes that saying, when you ascended on high, this is David talking about the Lord, you took many captives. You received gifts from them, even from the rebellious that you, Lord, might dwell there. Now, here's what that means. And I hope you've got your shouting clothes on because this is good. (laughs) When a king in that day and age, the parameters of his, his kingdom were overtaken by enemies, what the king would do is saddle up his horses, posse style, go and rescue and set free those people with his army. And when it was over, when he was victorious there would be a parade back into the capital and behind the king would be the captives that he took captive from that place. He took captivity captive. They're chained. And behind the captives, you can see this in multiple places in the Old Testament of stories of David and other kings. They would come back and behind it were the carts and it was the bounty that they had just taken from the enemy. And the good kings would give that gift to the people. God looked down on you and I and saw that you and I were captive, held hostage by sin and by death and by shame and by the enemy. And when he came, he sent his son, the king, to conquer those things. And when he was victorious, it said he made a show of them openly. It's a parade language. He is parading back now sin and death and shame, captive and giving gifts to you and to I. And those gifts are Romans 12. Those gifts are Ephesians 4. These are not about bondage. They're about freedom. And when we hold it close to our vest, when we put an if, God, I'll serve you if, I'll do this if, then I am not putting myself as a living sacrifice. I'm saying I'll choose my own gift instead of letting the one who created me and designed me the way that I'm supposed to be to go into be. It's not a meaning that I create. It's a meaning that I discover. A few years ago, I've got a real quick story, and then we're going to land. I was doing the gift of teaching thing. I was teaching a little Bible study. And I didn't care whether there was five people there or 50, and sometimes there was both, it seemed like. During that season, I just felt, this is what I was created to do. But if you're... During that time, I thought, man, God had called me to do something. So my gift was teaching, but what did he call me to do? And my plan was, God, I'll serve you if this or if that. And every time you say that to the Lord, pay very specific attention to the if. Because whatever is after that if is probably your God. I'll follow you if. And so me if... And I'm saying, I'll take my hands off my life, I'll offer myself as a living sacrifice, if, that's not a sacrifice, that's a negotiation. But I'd gotten a little job offer from a nonprofit organization that was floating around out there, and they were offering, hey, you can come and travel and speak, use my gift. We'll pay you for a salary, you can go out and raise money for this organization to help needy children. All of this sounded great. But I had this pit in my stomach. And we were at the Haiti Ball. We used to do this event every year. And that year we have a special guest. And I'm about to name drop, but it it is what it is because it's true. Pastor W. Smith was playing in the background. He was going to be our surprise guest that year. So Michael's playing on the piano. And my phone rings. And on the other line is Diana Covey, who's the lady who was part of the reason that I came to Christ as a young child. Her and her husband spent 30 years in the Pine Ridge Reservation as pastors to the poorest county in America. And she said, I hadn't talked to her in years. And she was long before she was ever on Facebook, right? There were no clues. And she says, Darren, I, I, I know I haven't talked to you in a while. And friends are friends forever. If so. But I know that. We, <laughs> <she's>, <laughs> but I've, I've just, I got this word from the Lord. And if it's not from the Lord, throw it away. She's delivering me a 1 Corinthians 12. I've got this word from the Lord. And if it's not the Lord, you can throw it. But here's, I just, if I don't tell you this, I won't be able to sleep. She said that if you feel like that there's something more for you in ministry, but God's saying don't kick the door down. And immediately I knew in my spirit kick the door down meant kicking the door out of someplace just as much as into someplace else. And at that point I had a company. I had employees. I, had, I would have had to have started that job like the next month and people would have been out of work. It would have been irresponsible. I was kicking a door down on the way out. And so that night I prayed, God, I don't care. If this is what you, if you want me to be a manager for the rest of my life, there's worse jobs. Could be digging coal mines in England. I mean, there's things that I could be doing. This is before Mike Rowe and dirty jobs, but I'll do this if that's what you want. And what I prayed that night was what my friend Bobby Nelson calls the I don't care prayer. The I don't care prayer is, when I finally took my hands off of my life. Because my life was, I'll travel and speak and be thoughtful and write books and smoke a pipe and maybe someday we move to Colorado. (laughs) Nowhere on the radar, anywhere near it was, Pastor, I'll serve you God if. And by the way, it was a couple of more years of me finally hands off my life. This is what you... That it became apparent that this is what, that teacher was my gift, but shepherd was the call. And I would say to you today that if you're in a place right now where you feel like it's been too long, it's too much, I tell you it's not. And if you feel like I'm too young and I don't, how I'm in debt, I can't, how am I ever going to get to this? Just do this with me this morning. Take your hands off of your life. And the most genuine prayer you can pray God, I don't care. Whatever you want, I'll do. And know that He is the master of the universe. He sneezes stars, He makes it rain turtles, He can do whatever He wants. He sees you throughout the galaxies and sees you and created you for only work that you can do. And your job is to simply obey and to not put a parameter on it and say, only if this, only if it's in Uganda, only here, step back and say whatever it is. And once that prayer is genuine, it says verse three of Romans 12, and then you will know his will for your life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And in the meantime, don't neglect your gift. Some of you, you come from a church, maybe you're a little wounded right now, and it hurts. you one of the best gifts that you can do, the, the best essential oil there is. is the oil of the Holy Spirit, and giving, and it will be given unto you, and the way that you've given out, it will be given back to you. So you coming in here and just loving on some babies and delivering your gift of mercy to some children. If you've got a gift of teaching, man, we got some kids that need the gift of teaching. And in the way that you give out, It will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It wasn't talking about money. It was talking about you and your life. As you fan your flame, there are opportunities this year in Guatemala with some children that could desperately need a gift of mercy. Ask the Lord, is this an opportunity you want me to take? Maybe it didn't look like what you thought, but maybe you say yes this year. David at conduitmission.org. And maybe it's going with Melissa to Zimbabwe. Maybe it's just walking across the hall to your children and begin to deliver the gift that God put in you and allow it to be fanned into flame. Would you stand with me? I know I've gone long and I'm sorry. I can think of nothing more exciting than to serve a church full of people who know what God gives pinpointed what God has called them to do, created them to be, and step into that, trusting wholeheartedly that he has your best interests in mind, a room full of apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers going and doing what God has called them to do while letting go of the reins of your own life. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask for you to Make it real to us this morning. Lord, as we reclaim the gift that's been put inside of us, I just feel, Lord, that there's a refirement happening in people here that thought they were ready to retire. (laughs) And Lord, for all of us, any if that we have, any if that we put in front of you, Lord, today might we just tear up the if and just say yes, trusting that you will make it super apparent what we're supposed to do. There's a world out there waiting, Lord, waiting for us to step forward and to deliver the gift that you've put inside of us. Would you show us what that is? In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.